When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting location. This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. America, here comes the relief from the pain. Unapologetically, this is Lock and Load with Bill Frady. Welcome back. Hour number two. This is Lock and Load. And as we do, I like, I always love it when I get to have a conversation just to catch up on the latest in the gun culture, the gun world. And that would be with Dan Zimmerman from the truthaboutguns.com. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So let's start out with the, uh, the Washington Post, which, uh, somebody wrote that this one, when was this a respected newspaper? Well, that was a long time ago. That was back before cable news. Right. And that was, you know, when there were three networks and right. uh, two major newspapers. And uh, that's basically the only place to get your, gotcha. your information gotcha. in the local paper. Gotcha. So, anyway, as they got together with the Trace, and they did, uh, so they did a hit job on the SIG P320. Is this right? Yeah, they did. The, 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 the Trace, which is Michael Bloomberg's anti-gun agitprop generating outlet, um, worked with uh, somebody at the Washington Post and um, ran another hit piece uh, on the SIG P320 handgun. This is, of course, um, the handgun that the Army and now the entire U.S. military uses as its chosen sidearm. Um, and uh, a million, well over a million people have bought them um, and carry them regularly and use them, uh, and so have a, an awful lot of uh, police departments around the country. Um, as you'd expect, when you've got over two million guns in circulation, um, some people are going to be less than careful with them, and some of those people are going to look for try to blame other people when they do something stupid with them, um, particularly cops who, when they do something stupid with a gun, stand to lose their jobs. Um, anyway, ABC ran a similar report on this uh, about a year and a half ago. We wrote about it then. Well, now the, the Washington Post and the Trace are out with it. But there's something interesting about it. They, of course, talk about all the lawsuits that, that have happened. And we're going to write another post coming up. Um, examining those a little more closely. But in the meantime, what they did was they, they included a, a, um, an animation showing the internal working of the SIG P320, what they call the fire control group. 
and um, the two uh, journalistic wizards called or talked to the folks at SIG before the um, before the, the article was published, and SIG actually sent them their animation showing the internal workings of the um, B320 and how five things have to happen before the gun will fire. Well, that wasn't good enough for the Washington Post and the Trace. Instead, they ginned up their own animation, uh, a shorter, uh, more abbreviated version that leaves out one of the three primary safety functions inside the uh, B320. Um, because unlike most striker fire guns, the P320 has a secondary sear um, that's meant to, um, to stop the firing pin from flying forward and igniting around um, if somehow the gun is jarred hard, hard, enough, hard enough to knock it off the primary sear. I know we're getting kind of complicated here. I suggest your listeners look at the read, read what we wrote and look at the illustration it makes it a little bit clearer. Um, but anyway, the Washington post didn't include any of that. They didn't talk about that secondary application. Instead, uh, they talked about a report that one of the plaintiff lawyers, uh, paid witnesses wrote. Um, this is a guy named James Turton who works for Magnum research, which is owned by car arms. In other words, this guy is, a competitor of SIG who wrote a report for the plaintiff's attorneys calling the gun uniquely dangerous because the gun is, um, is, uh, um, it's, it's always in a, in effect, kind of a cocked position. Uh, as if that, that's something unusual. There are dozens of, uh, striker fired handguns that, um, use that, uh, use a similar, um, fire control mechanism. Some are half cocked and some are not cocked at all. They require a much longer trigger pull. Um, uh, so anyway, this guy, as the, even the article uh, made clear, he even contradicted himself when he was on the stand in one of these lawsuits and said that, uh, no, you actually do have to pull the trigger before the gun will fire, despite what a lot of the plaintiffs were saying. Um, anyway, the, the, the gist of what we wrote today, when we went into a lot of detail, is that the, the Washington Post and the Trace uh, reporters misrepresented how the gun works, left out a big part of the safety mechanisms that are built into the P320, and in effect, um, you know, they mis- misled their readers. It was in effect a lie. I, I was choking. I was coughing. Oh, good. Okay. Let me make sure, make sure I'm, I'm still I'm, with you. I'm, I'm glad that I, I, I got rid of that. Um, okay, good. One of, that, one of the things about 320, I, I, I've heard, I have heard a lot of people talking about how it shoots by itself. And I don't think that's actually a thing. I think that's legal momentum. of Because a, a lot of these guys that are saying that it goes off on their own are in law enforcement, right? Yes, as I said, a lot of them have their jobs on the line. So when they have a negligent discharge and touch one off, they need to claim uh, that uh, it's the gun's fault. 
it just, you know, just went off. I don't know what happened. Right. Um, there, there was one uh, they included in, in their article video of a Pasco County Sheriff deputy who was in a grade school in the lunch line. And he picked up, he pulled his gun up out of his holster and put it back down and touched off around in the school lunch line with like eight, nine-year-olds on. Unfortunately, nobody was hurt. Uh, the guy was fired. He, he, he had been known to um, be somebody who played with his gun frequently. And, and, and this is somebody who, who they're, they're using to claim that, uh, um, you know, the, the P320 magically fires on its own. It just, right. Um, there's, it's just as incredible. Hmm. Well, I, you know, it's amazing how nobody had anything bad to say about this gun until it won this contract to me. Well, to be fair, you know, early on it did have some problems. It did, it did, uh, um, the initial run of guns. Uh, would fire if you dropped it from a certain height and a certain angle and hit just right. Um, uh, it had that drop safety issue and SIG did a, a voluntary update to all the pistols to fix that problem. But that was completely unrelated to what the plaintiffs and, uh, now the Trace Washington Post claim is happening here. This is not a drop safety issue. This is a, um, a matter of the gun, uh, they say, just firing on its own. Shazam. It's magic. It just happened. Uh, a lot of these have been investigated. Um, there are about 70 lawsuits out there. Um, a couple of them have been thrown out entirely by uh, judges. Uh, one that actually went to trial was found that they ruled for SIG. Uh, jury unanimously. unanimously. Uh, believe that uh, the gun did not fire on its own. So, hang on but, for me, you, know, if you, you can imagine. Yeah, hang okay. on. It, we'll, 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 we'll finish this up on the other side. You can find this at the top of the page at thetruthaboutguns.com. Talking to Dan Zimmerman. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. <laughs> Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over two-thirds of the globe's corn reserves, over half of its rice, and over half of its wheat. But when asked about it, China lies. One China expert says they, of course, will never admit to something like that. Well, what does China know that we don't? When it comes to global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. You see... China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So they can't afford to mess ups or there will be riots, civil panic, or even worse, when over a billion people can't eat. What does that mean for Americans like you and me? Two words. Food shortages. That's why it's a smart idea to stock up on a kit of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food Kits. The kits are compact and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Right now, you can get 10% off your purchase of 4Patriot Survival Food by typing in the code LOCKLOAD at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use the code LOCKLOAD to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriot Survival Food. That's 4Patriots.com, use code LOCKLOAD. 
welcome back. This is Lock and Load, and I'm talking to Dan Zimmerman from the TruthAboutGuns.com. And moving on from uh, the P320, which is going to continue to be sort of a thing, I think, for the next little bit. Uh, one of the things they constantly harp on, Dan, is that the biggest biggest uh, demographic of gun owners out there is uh, old white guys. And I guess some of these old white guys own like two or three thousand guns. I mean, I would love to see. Yeah, that's what actually some people claimed years ago. Yeah, um, and but, uh, things have changed a little. Yeah. So what is uh, what are we finding out now? What they're very upset about this too, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, when CNN starts running articles saying that uh, millions of people, uh, including women and minorities, have bought guns since 2020 you know there's a problem because um, they certainly don't like acknowledging that kind of that fact because, again, they they, they like to push the uh, narrative that it's only a bunch of old, fat, racist white guys who own guns. Um, so when you've got literally millions of women, with millions of Hispanics, blacks, Asians, all every demographic you can think of buying guns at, at record levels the last uh, – three years or so, um, that tends to uh, go against approved narratives. You know, they said the, the Northeastern and Harvard uh, um, study found that nearly 3% of U.S. adults or 7.5 million people bought guns for the first time in January, January uh, 19 to uh, April 2021. About half of the new gun owners were female, 20% were black, 20% were Hispanic. Overall, gun owners were 63% male. 73% white, um, 63% male that, you know, I'm not good at math, but that means 37% of them were female. Um, and a uh, large percentage of them, um, were non-white, um, gun owners today incorporate, uh, everyone, um, everyone of any demographic. Uh, and, uh, just, that's what makes, um, people like CNN, uh, people like uh, Every Town, people like Shannon Watts, crazy. Uh, when, despite the fear mongering, despite the doomsaying, despite the um, um, the cries of blood in the streets, uh, people still are going out in record numbers, month after month, now year after year, and buying more guns than they ever had before. Well, I mean. When I sometimes when I'm in some place, like I, I I was I was someplace the other day, and uh, well, I was being checked out by a young black woman, and I told her I said you guys are the the biggest growing, most effective new gun ownership uh, demographic out there, and she didn't know that, so I I, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed telling her that. Yeah, it's great because most people they're not going to hear that. Um, you know, there was a CNN article, but that the, most, most um, corporate media outlets don't have much incentive to to trumpet that kind of information. I mean, you have to look at, at how they title their article, too. I mean, they did write the article, but they titled it A Nation Rocked by Mass Shooting Goes on an Extended Gun Buying Run. You know, so they painted as, as in as dark a uh, palette as they possibly can, but the news is there. And they talked to two women um, who are both now gun owners or relatively new gun owners. 
and they go to the range fairly regularly and they enjoy it. Um, and, um, one bought her gun primarily for self-defense as so many people have done, you know, 2019 or 2020. Well, I mean, guns are, guns are out there now and I imagine the rates are going to continue with all of these, uh, all of these permitless carry states. Now we got 27 of them. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, welcome to Nebraska. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 it doesn't show any sign of slowing down. Um, and the longer that we have, uh, zero bail and decarceration policies and, and prosecutors that are prosecute, that's going to translate into higher crime rates and more people are going to decide that they need the ability to protect themselves and their families, period. Well, I, I, all I see going on right now is that, and, you know, sometimes I wonder about the leftist end game. I really wonder what they think, how this is going to end up. Because in these crime-ridden areas, they have decriminalized crime. They have done away with bail. The predator is out there. They make it very difficult, as difficult as they can possibly make it for somebody to carry a gun for self-defense. They're constantly coming up with something new on something like that. And at the same time, they're not arresting anybody. And they're just, just allowing these, like these flash mobs to appear and show up and do all this other stuff. Used to be semi-organized with Antifa and with Black Lives Matter. Now it's just a flash mob. Where do you think they actually, what, what are they, because the, the big cities are emptying out. And all that's going to be left pretty soon are going to be the predators and the rubble. Well, I don't know if that's entirely true, but I, I don't know that they think far enough ahead. I think as any sort of end game, I think that they believe that they, these policies that are soft on criminals and decriminalize what they consider to be lower level crimes like shoplifting and, and muggings and assault and things like that, things like that are, are, are somehow promote social justice and are some kind of measure of fairness um, after years and years of uh, cr- criminal um, criminal ju- justice uh, application that um, they believe overly burdened minorities and the poor. Um, the problem is when you do... When you poll those people, minorities and the poor, those are the very people that are against defunding the police. They want to see, they have problems with the police, of course, because a lot of times uh, they believe the police aren't fair to their, their population. But they, they know that having cops on their streets and patrolling their neighborhood means less crime. Right. Um, so they themselves are not... Uh, any fans of a lot of the aspects of these uh, so-called progressive policies. Well, I mean, all the stuff that they, but, but they're, they're hollowing out. All of these big cities are going to be like Detroit very shortly. And then what? Yeah. Then what are they running? That way. Then, then what are they running? And the thing is, the thing that bothers me the most, is they keep reelecting the same people. I mean, Chicago had a choice. 
and they made their choice, and it's going to be worse than it was under Lloyd. Yeah, and they're going uh, they're going to have to live with it. Yeah. They made that choice, and they picked somebody who, if anything, is more progressive than Lori Lightfoot and more anti-cop uh, and more pro-criminal. Anyway, check this out. It's at the top of the page at thetruthaboutguns.com. This is where I go to get the latest. We'll be right back talking to Dan Zimmerman. This is Lock and Load. years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. In the 21st century, the handgun has become the preeminent self-defense tool. At CNH Precision, we specialize in taking your weapon to the highest degree of functionality possible. With a complete array of goods and services specializing in red dot sight installation, CNH Precision will help you realize the most effective handgun the first time. If you need slide milling, installation, or accessories, go to chpws.com. CNH Precision, welcome to the Boom Squad. At Chambers Custom, we have one job. We strive to build the most obsessively, reliable, accurate, and beautiful pistols for the discriminating gun owner. Using the ageless 1911 design with a 21st century approach to each part and component, Chambers Custom meticulously begins each pistol as a standalone project, creating a bespoke, handcrafted, peerless firearm. They integrate all of the internal, external, and intrinsic elements that make a custom 1911 unit. Go to ChambersCustom.com. Chambers Custom, truly the mechanical advantage. At Spikes Tactical, we are all shooters with a very simple mission. Make the best product we can perfect at the best possible price for our consumers. We strive to produce the best components and rifles available with quality control second to none because real-world events don't allow for a second chance. Whether you are an operator, competitor, or home defender, Spikes Tactical will serve you well. Go to SpikesTactical.com. Spikes Tactical, 100% American-made to the highest standard. There's no such thing as a fair fight. And we bring the unfair advantage that is the 2011 platform. Dominate. At Staccato, we know the most important gun you own is the one that you're carrying when you're facing that threat to life and freedom. Win. We want you to enter that objective confidence that you are carrying the best gun in the gunfight. No compromise. No sacrifice. Staccato2011.com. Stand ready to face down the darkness with 2011. Holster.com, the home of DeSantis Quality built American-made products for 45-plus years. Supporting police and government contracts from first responders to responsible citizens. Holster.com is your source for quality American-made leather and Kydex holsters for the armed American. For concealed carry or open carry, Holster.com has what you need. We didn't invent concealment. We perfected it. Go to Holster.com now and buy a DeSantis holster today. 
what's in the name? If that name is Ace Firearms, you've just entered a very expensive business. First, a fully appointed gun shop with all the guns, ammo, and accessories you could possibly imagine. But then you enter the manufacturing facility that is home to Red Alligator Concealment, Militia Arms Customs, and so much more. Ace Firearms is beyond a simple gun shop. This is a totally peerless operation. To find out more, go to acefirearms.com. Ace Firearms. This is only the beginning. At MGS, we have what it takes to reinvent yourself. With a curriculum designed to balance work, family, and a gun repair education, MGS provides the gateway into one of the fastest-growing segments of the gun industry. Modern Gun School's mission is to provide high-quality distance education using time-tested materials and hands-on projects designed to develop a proficiency in both the technique and the business of gunsmithing. Go to mgs.edu. MGS Trade School. Your future is waiting. Welcome back. This is Lock and Low talking to Dan Zimmerman from the truthaboutguns.com. And uh, while we're here, all of a sudden, a, a, a latest, a breaking news thing comes out, which uh, is interesting to me just because of the patchwork application of law we seem to have happening around the United States. The uh, So let's talk about the key cards. What's happened with the key cards, Mr. Zimmerman? Yeah, well, there's... <clears throat> Guy, um, a couple of folks in Florida uh, producing something called the Auto Key Card, and this is basically a um, roughly a credit card size thin piece of, I believe, aluminum that uh, was printed with the outline of a lightning link on it, uh, or a few of them. And for your listeners who don't know what that is, a lightning link can be used to convert an AR-15 rifle, semi-automatic one, into a fully automatic one, basically into a machine gun. Um, and you can't buy lightning links. Um, and these cards that are being sold weren't lightning links. These are just rectangular pieces of aluminum with an outline drawn on them. Um, one gentleman who made these things uh, went to another gentleman uh, named uh, Matthew Hoover, who ran uh, some operation called CRS Firearms um, and had a fairly popular YouTube channel, which is still out there. You can go out there and see it. Um, and he advertised these things um, for the guy who made these. Uh, and apparently, he says, he went to the ATF and got permission for this because this guy had an FFL and an SOT, so he knew what the law was. Um but these things weren't lightning links. These were just cards with pictures of lightning links on them. Um, however, when he started selling these things long enough, um, the ATF changed their mind. Um, the banker for one of these people uh, reported them to the ATF with suspicion of um, um, trying to evade cash transaction reporting laws, and um, the more the ATF looked into it, they said, you know, these things really are lightning links because all you have to do is buy a Dremel tool and cut one to cut these things out, and you can convert your your AR-15 into a, machine, a whole lot of machine guns. 
So they were prosecuted, and on Friday they were both found guilty. Um, and one of them is facing um, as much as 110 years in the federal penitentiary, um, and the other is uh, facing 45 years for um, transferring unregistered machine gun conversion devices uh, and um, evading uh, basically money laundering. So when we when we were we were discussing what this when it it just had popped in um and and here's my question so in Chicago where they caught nine gangbangers with Glock 17s with 3D printed switches on the back to make them fully automatic the cops mm-hmm. there confiscated the guns but did not arrest anybody should that have been an ATF case and should the ATF uh, have swooped in on that yeah. Cops should have been arrested them because yeah. uh, the likelihood of any of those switches being legal um, are, is about zilch. So the cops knew darn well that those were illegal machine guns, uh, illegal fully automatic machine guns, unregistered machine guns. And you would have thought that the police would have arrested the gang members and then uh, brought the ATF in to prosecute them under federal law. Why they let them go, you know, I, I didn't see this report, but I'm, I believe what you tell me. Um, why they let them go, uh, I have no idea. Seems like an easy way to get, what you said, nine? Nine, nine gang members off nine. the street. Well, I mean. But getting, gang member, but getting gang members off the street doesn't seem to be the top priority in a lot of major cities. Well, I mean, is is this kind of thing, are we seeing more, so like Chicago is Chicago, which pretty soon Chicago is just going to be, you're not going to be able to buy any food there. You're not going to be able to buy any clothes there. You're not going to be able to do anything there. All you're going to be able to do is run around and just be a predator. And the regular people will probably move out or die, something. I don't know what's going to happen. So, um, but in this happened in Florida. Do you think that they the the prosecution is sort of a selective thing where they're going after the states where they don't have this much of stuff going on, but they can still make this case and look really good out there in the press? It's possible. The, the thing is, they know they're fighting a losing battle against these things. Uh, when you have gang members in Chicago easily getting their hands on 3D printed um, switches that convert glocks from semi-automatic to automatic, um, you know you have a huge problem. These things, you know, you used to have to import these things from China. Uh, you don't have to do that anymore. Anybody with a $200 3D printer and a little know-how can print these, and they're doing it. Um, technology is making enforcement of gun laws more difficult by the day. Um, And more and more people are coming to that realization. Um, The National Firearms Act is going to be darn near impossible to enforce um, as time goes on. Um, That doesn't mean that they're not going to prosecute some people, you know, some people, uh, how, who they choose to prosecute, 
when they choose to and when, as you said, like in the example in Chicago, they just grab the guns and forget about it. I, 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 I'm not sure who's, who's, how they're making those decisions. Uh, but um, the cops in cities are running more and more often into firearms that are easily converted via these little Glock switches, as they call them. Right. Um, and um, anybody can go out and find um, a find plans to print their own auto sear. Uh, so you don't need one of these uh, little auto key cards uh, if you if you're so inclined. Yeah, it's... you can. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting people do that. Right. But it's easy enough to do it if you want to, and if you're if you're determined to say to hell with the ATF, I'm going to convert my gun. Here's the thing, and, and you, you make a very good point. Uh, there's no getting, there's no stopping any of this. Right now, until, no. until we do something a little bit different, we got fentanyl coming through the border very easily. We got people coming through the border very easily. Trying to stop these things by getting out there and catching one or two is not going to solve the problem. And the same with this, the the, the whole uh, machine gun conversion thing. Uh, the more these incidents are allowed to happen, the more I find it likely that you'll see a populace that will either, the ones that can't move out are going to have to either make a stand or just, I don't know, just expire or something. I And I, I'm afraid that they're going to get so afraid that they are going to get out there and take to the streets, and I guess they're going to figure out they're going to, have to do it on their own, especially in places like, you know, Oregon and Washington State, I, California, anywhere this stuff, Chicago, New York, all these places where this kind of thing is happening all over the place. Just makes me wonder. It just makes me wonder. In any event, we're about to run out of time. Okay. So... I do think, though, that what we're seeing in a lot of these cases, and I guess because it stands out in Florida, this is our all, because I don't, I don't know of anything like this happening in Florida that much, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, it happens in Chicago. It's a regular occurrence. It's no big deal. That's, what, that's the thing that, so that's what makes me know that it's not about gun control. They have no interest in gun control. They just want to control, they want to influence my behavior. All of these articles that we have referenced today, you can find at thetruthaboutguns.com. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. back this is lock and low talking to dean weingarten and we've been talking about judge Contreras and all this other stuff do you think he's trying to get the supreme court to is he poking the supreme court i actually wondered about this and have pondered it a bit and i don't think so because he could just made a clear decision saying these are clearly protected by the second amendment and it would probably end up before an appeals court and might well end up before the Supreme Court anyway because right. the Biden administration would appeal it. 
No, I think he is engaged, I guess, which has in, in what has been called and is overdone as, as judicial activism. And I believe he simply does not like the idea of people being armed and their right to be armed being held inviolable by the Second Amendment. And so what I think he is doing, and he has some backup. I mean, he's using Heller too, which is in the D.C. Court of Appeals. That was decided there, but it wasn't appealed to the Supreme Court. So he's using that for a lot of his logical support. And I think he's just trying to chip away at the understanding of the Second Amendment in Bruin as much as he can get away with by saying, well, it only covers self-defense and only self-defense that has actually been recorded somewhere. And so if you didn't actually have to shoot at somebody, it's not really self-defense. And if you did have to shoot at somebody, but it wasn't recorded by the police, it's not really self-defense. And unless you had to shoot more than 10 rounds, that means that uh, magazines that hold more than 10 rounds are not covered by the Second Amendment. I mean, it's, it's these very large stretches of logic and imagination. Now, I have to say that in his defense, because I feel obligated to give that, they were asking for an injunction against the regulation, which means the regulation would be stopped and people would be able to get magazines more than 10 rounds right away. And the burden of proof for an injunction is very high. So although I think he ruled incorrectly, I think that he has enough support that, you know, he can't be just thrown out on his ear because he'd say, well, I'm following what the uh, court of appeals said in Heller too. And I'm just using their logic, and I'm bound to do that because I'm a judge in that district. Now, I would say he's not because he could have looked directly at Bruin and say, Bruin says that understanding by Heller, too, is just knocked out. It doesn't apply anymore because Bruin says means and scrutiny does not apply. And much of what he's claiming looks directly like means and scrutiny to me. I don't like this. Therefore, we will outlaw. And a lot of it he's trying to do, say, well, there's more harm than good. So, you know, we've got to come down on the lessening the harm side. So I, I think that's what he's doing. I think it's an ideological choice. And ideologically, he doesn't like the Second Amendment. So he's doing everything he can come up with some way or another to restrict the right to, to keep and bear arms in the current system. I, uh, you know, these when, whenever they get out there and they want to ban stuff, I'm always wondering about that because banning something that is in existence, has that ever worked? Has a ban, so in, in Australia, you've spent a lot of time in Australia, and, uh, after they banned all these guns, did crime go away? No, no. It had almost no effect on crime when, or on murder or on suicide. I mean, murder generally. But when they create studies, claim that it has an effect, they'll say, well, look, 
suicide with guns went down, even though the overall suicide rate might have gone up. Or they say, well, homicides with guns went down, even though the overall homicide rate maybe didn't change. So that's how they use lying with statistics, because it doesn't matter to the person if the number of homicides with guns went down, if the overall homicide rate went up or stayed the same, and the same with suicide. The the logical trick they employ in many of these studies from Australia is they say, well, the number of X with guns went down. But that doesn't matter. The guns are just one instrument of many. Yes. So if if the incidents with guns went down, but they went up with other things, you didn't accomplish anything except... You accomplished your ideological purpose of disarming people and making it much harder for people to be armed. One thing I looked at uh, the other day, there was this people lobbing rocks at people from yeah. a bridge. And uh, they killed one Ooh. person, killed one, yeah. killed an individual, killed a female. And uh, the way it worked out was the female was on the phone with someone, and then all of a sudden, just abruptly, the phone call ended. And yeah. uh, while it ended, she could hear something happening, and then everything got silent. So then the friend tracked her based upon her phone. That's becoming a thing. And right. she, she found her in a field, and she was dead. Now, this is one of these things that you don't hear the left talking about, because it's about the person Exactly. The person that is willing to be violent, that's the issue. Violence is the issue. Isn't violent crime more prevalent in the U.K. than it is here? Well, the, uh, some statistics are higher, like um, home invasions are higher, assaults are higher. Their homicide rate is lower than ours by official statistics. But the way they calculate homicide rate is quite a bit different. So it's apples and oranges. It's, it's different in different judicial systems sure. to compare things and make sure that they're real. For example, let's say that you have, uh, oh, an al-Qaeda terrorist has a bomb and he kills, oh, 50 people in London. How many murders do you think that counts for in the English judicial system, their statistical system? I don't know. Do, do, they, do they juke with the numbers? Do they do things that try to look better? What do they do? Well, in the United States, that would be 50 homicides. Okay. In England, it's not any homicides because it's a terrorist group. Okay. The IRA committing political homicide was not a homicide in Britain because it was politically motivated. Okay. Similarly, I'm, yeah. let's say that you have 50 a serial killer and he kills, let's just say, a dozen people in Britain, but they can't find him. They, they never make an arrest. Right. How many homicides do you think that counts for? How many murders, I should say, that counts for in Britain? Do they not count it unless they make an arrest? 
They don't count it until they make a conviction. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. I so with, with that kind of difference, it's hard to compare them and say we have more or less. Historically, the United States has been a more violent place than England from about, say, 1870 on. Right. But we have a much we have much different populations. We have a different judicial system. And you can look at uh, Brazil and say, well, Brazil has been much more violent than the United States. So when people make these comparisons about homicide and crime, what they do is lie with statistics by cherry picking certain countries. They'll say, well, look at, look at England. Uh, look at uh, Sweden, uh, the U.S. Those are countries that are like the U.S., and they have a lot lower homicide rate, and they have tight gun control. But they won't tell you, well, look at Albania. Well, uh, I'll tell look you at what, Russia. Hold up, there, hold up right there, if you will, Dean, and we'll pick this up on the other side. Um, Dean Weingarten, of course, his stuff, you can find his stuff. Uh, at Amoland.com. 2,200-plus articles there right now. Uh, his articles are very thought-provocative. And making you think about things is so much better than you just watching the news. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. Lock and Load. 